It's a Sunday morning. An anxious mother sits at the kitchen table, and in front of her lies a bold black pen and a large piece of paper with the photograph of her daughter. She picks up the marker and begins to write. Single daughter, born in January 1989, 1.65 meters in height. She has a cheerful, gentle, and generous character, and is a tidy person. She is equipped with a university degree. And is currently working as an accountant, living in Shanghai. She is looking for a single male partner who is above 1.7 meters in height, has an educated background, resides in Shanghai, and also has assets like a car and house. Her ideal partner must have a strong sense of responsibility and be career-driven. If you are interested, please contact Mrs. Li at the number below. Putting down the pen, she reads over what she has written and lets out a nervous sigh. She gathers her belongings and heads out to the People's Park in the heart of Shanghai. For five days a week, the People's Park is just like any other park. You can take a light stroll around the tranquil lotus pond and its leafy surrounds. You can visit the Museum of Contemporary Art nestled in the park. Or, for keen students of English, you can visit a section of the park dedicated to those who wish to learn and practice English with one another. On the weekend, a corner of the People's Park comes alive with the bustle of a market. Now, this market is not like any other market. It is not a market for antiques. It is not a market for local street food. Instead, it is a market for China's bachelors and bachelorettes. The marriage market is a place where, other than bachelors and bachelorettes themselves, parents will often gather in hopes of finding the perfect match for their unmarried sons and daughters. The Shanghai Marriage Market at the People's Park is one of China's many marriage markets—a modern-day matchmaking hotspot for anxious parents and their single sons and daughters. In particular, for urban Chinese women, the pressure of marriage can be incredibly overwhelming. So much so that a label has emerged to describe women aged 27 or older who are unmarried as "shengnu," a phrase that directly translates to "leftover woman." Leftover women characterize an emerging class of women in urban China who are often educated young professionals who face a mounting wall of stigma, expectations, and pressure at both a societal and governmental level. But to understand how this phenomenon and label came about, let's take a step back in time. In 1979, the introduction of a one-child policy contributed greatly to a severe gender imbalance. Coupled with a pre-existing traditional preference for sons who were considered to be more useful than having daughters, as well as a rise in sex-selective abortions for pregnant women, the one-child policy saw a dramatic boom in the birth of boys. Today, there are now 30 million more men of marriageable age than women. This has led to there being a large surplus of men, especially in the most rural areas of China, where traditional preferences for sons seem to hold stronger. Meanwhile, in urban China, the status of women in the last two decades has experienced a mix of positive and negative developments. It's quite a difficult question to answer broadly what the status of of Chinese women is, but certainly if we look at the economic numbers, there have been some quite alarming trends in the last or in in this millennium. So if we look at gender inequality in income, for example, whether we look at urban China or rural China, we see a widening gap between male and female incomes, and 
a lot of the economic research on this points to the fact that this stems from discrimination, not from differences in the characteristics of, of men and women. And so as a good example of that, in urban China, uh, women now have average levels of education that are pretty close to men's. In fact, they overtake them in some cities and provinces. But in terms of earnings, that doesn't translate into higher incomes for women. And so the gender gap in income remains. On the positive side, uh, the fact that we have seen that women are overtaking males in, in some cities and areas in terms of education, this is a positive development. So I guess there is, it's a mixed message. It's not all good, but we did experience some development in catching up towards uh, males in education and in skills and in opportunities. Now that was Jane Golley and Yi Xiao Zhou. Jane is a professor at the Australian National University and is currently the acting director of the Australian Centre on China in the World. And Yi Xiao is originally from China and is currently working at the Australian National University as a research fellow at the Crawford School of Public Policy. China's rapid economic development has meant that those women who do happen to be the only child in their families have had greater access to the quality education and professional opportunities on offer in a prosperous urban China. So the good news first is, you know, at the top end, there's there's certainly been opportunities for women to become very, very rich. I don't know the exact figures, but uh, there are now a large number of Chinese female billionaires, um, probably more than any other female billionaires anywhere else in the world. I mean, that's partly because of China's large population, but also because there have been opportunities at that top end. Uh, and I think all throughout the urban sector, you know, whether it's in state-owned enterprises or private enterprise, there have been growing opportunities for women in some areas. Young women in urban China have the opportunity to grow and flourish, especially when equipped with higher education levels, skills and careers. And it is these achievements of higher education, skills and career opportunities which have been pivotal in the empowerment of young women, leading to their growing independence and freedom. Well, I guess it should give you independence. It should give you independence in your thinking and in your financial situation. So as soon as you've been educated and then land your first job, uh, you can pay your own rent. Uh, you can start thinking about wanting to buy a house. There are all sorts of opportunities that open up there. And, and there's a kind of freedom uh, that I think comes with education and with, with having your own paycheck. Marriage is often traditionally perceived as quite a transactional practice in China. In an incredibly competitive marriage market, finding a male partner who is able to provide a decent living standard is a big priority and is commonly viewed as a way of securing financial security and stability for women. It might sound like an awful way to describe it, but this is how economists have thought about the sex ratio imbalance, is to think that it's made China's marriage market very competitive. And so when you have a competitive marriage market and you've got essentially 30 million unmarried men looking for a wife, unable to find them, you know, in economic jargon we call them surplus men, but suddenly they need to be competitive in some way. And the way that kind of feeds into Chinese culture and also into rapid economic growth and development is that by saving more, by having a better job, by having a house and a car before they get married. These are things that we know anecdotally that Chinese women have come to demand and expect of their men and that in this competitive marriage market, it's a way for the men to signal that they're successful in order to find a wife. 
There is mounting pressure on women to not only find and settle down with a partner, but to also use marriage as a means of securing their future security and stability too. In exchange for this security and stability, it is expected that women will fulfill their part of the domestic deal by focusing on being good wives and good mothers in a traditional family setting. However, we are now seeing a new class of women in urban China emerge, a class of women who are ambitiously goal-oriented, highly educated, and who have great careers that they've broken the glass ceiling for. And since society has not yet progressed enough to help alleviate the potential dual-burden expectations of married women, this new class of empowered and independent young women have actually chosen not to give up their careers so early, or concede to marriage for the sake of traditional cultural expectations. However, these women face continuous pressures from all levels of society to secure themselves through marriage and to avoid being marginalized as leftover women. This kind of pressure can come from family, friends, and can even come from right up to a broader political and governmental level. As Yixiao explains, at a domestic and cultural level, Chinese women face several conflicting expectations from their parents, especially on what women should aspire to achieve in their lives. Actually, a girl's parents have a mixed expectation. On the one hand, especially in urban area, parents expect their daughter and hope that their daughter can have a good career. But they also really value a good family if the daughter can have one. So I reckon for parents, it's a dual goal. What they really hope is they can see both two good things happening at the same time. But then if you ask me for a girl's perspective, uh, what's our expectation of a good Chinese woman? It is hard. It, it really varies amongst individuals. Again, it's a bit similar to parents, I guess. We would like to have good career. We really look up to females who have good career. And in the meantime, we would hope that we can be lucky and like, find an ideal partner. It's more similar to what parents would think of. However, things don't get much easier for unmarried Chinese women when there are also mounting pressures from the very top level of Chinese government to conform. The Chinese government has previously used political power to try make it more difficult for leftover women to thrive in society. In 2011, I think it was that China changed its marriage laws and made it more difficult for women to own houses. And that's something that's been challenged and written about uh, by Leda Hong Fincher in her book on leftover women. Uh, and so there are still new challenges that come from that. Uh, and I think what's happening at the top, you know, at the highest levels of government, how they're responding to that, we need to think carefully about. Even groups like the All China Women's Federation, an institution established in 1949 to supposedly protect women's interests, have also propped up the party line. From around 2007, in fact, that was when they started this quite aggressive campaign criticising the leftover women, the Shangyu, for choosing not to marry and, and attributing China's problems, i.e. there being lots of men who couldn't find wives, to really to blaming these Chinese women that if only they would comply with traditional norms, then there wouldn't be all these unhappy men around. Um, and that was a strange kind of view, I think, for the All-China Women's Federation to take. If you look at Xi Jinping's current traditional family values campaign, and again, the All-China Women's Federation's played a role in this. They're saying they've established new era women's schools where female directors of these new schools in universities across the country have said, we really need to teach women more about their domestic roles. This is in a university in China, funded by the All-China Women's Federation, driven 
from the top by Xi Jinping himself stressing traditional family values and then come back to where that leaves a young Chinese woman trying to juggle all these tasks. I mean, this is not only a Chinese problem, but it certainly seems amplified by the way that the government's approached it to say, we need you to do all of these things. Uh, We've meanwhile taken away things like traditional forms of childcare support and state-sponsored health and education systems that formerly provided more help uh, for households. That burden increasingly falls on women who are just being asked to do too much. That being said, within recent years, there have been more Chinese women standing up together against these pressures and making sure their voices are heard. In particular, the international cosmetics brand SK2's video campaign on the marriage market takeover in 2016 and Vice Asia's short documentary on leftover women have shed light into this phenomenon occurring in China. As Jane also mentioned, books such as Later Hong Finch's Leftover Women, The Resurgence of Gender Inequality in China have also played a role in highlighting the ongoing burdens and pressures from all levels of society faced by an empowered class of women in China. So the good news is that they're trying to do it. The bad news is that, you know, in 2018, 2019, we do see increasing government censorship on that activism. So right at the time when I'd be saying as a good feminist, you know, get moving, get agitating, start talking about it, you've got to do that, I guess, a little bit behind closed doors at the moment in China, or at least certainly not uh, on the internet, because the censorship police are are out there. And, you know, and I have heard Chinese women uh, saying that they put something up, some kind of post, and it is very quickly shut down. In a situation where all levels of society are contributing to the stigma and boundaries faced by leftover women, it is important for change to occur at all levels. Although change from a broader political level is proving to be difficult due to the government's tight control over public discourse, change can also start right from the core at a personal level for Chinese women and their families. Women in urban China who have made the most out of the opportunities afforded to them in the realms of education and profession should be celebrated rather than marginalised. However, the gradual development of women's independence and women's rights in China continues to be met with limitations and boundaries that impinge on their personal choices later in their lives. I guess the term leftover woman, I know it sounds like a very derogative term, right? But sometimes... uh, we Chinese women within us, we joke around, oh, I'm leftover woman. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we, we joke around uh, about this term. So we don't, I think, from within uh, women's mentality for themselves, I think it's important to be more independent in the sense that uh, it's okay what people call you. You can just joke around it and don't really care that much about what people say. But you do need to know what's important to you. Like, uh, your career is important to you, your family is important to you. Finding a good and kind partner is important. And then you just focus on what you know is important, but don't deviate from that. But I think the pressure is from family and from society that they expect you to do well on all fronts. But I think if that pressure is taken off, so parents can change their views, society doesn't exert that pressure. And also for women themselves, they are strong enough to say that I just want a good life. And then whoever I get married with is someone I respect and I like. And that's it. So if we can have that kind of change, I think it doesn't matter if I'm left over or not, as long as I'm happy. 
It seems that just as Chinese women are beginning to break through the glass ceiling with their astounding levels of education and workforce representation, they have now been met with even more obstacles that limit their personal choices later in life. However, as Jane and Yi Xiao have explored with us today, the so-called leftover women of China are a group of women who should be celebrated for their remarkable achievements and self-empowerment, rather than socially scrutinized. That being said, the voice of China's leftover women are getting louder and louder. The voice of China's leftover women are getting stronger and stronger. Times up, not for leftover women, but for the pressures and discrimination they face. A conversation has been started, and this conversation is about giving autonomy back to Chinese women. <laughs>